Hi, John. Oh, hey, Merlin. Hi, how are you? Good, good. I didn't expect you here. I'm smiling. Why? Because it makes me sound friendly. Oh, it does. Doesn't it? It does. Uh, where, where, where did you pick up this technology? I learned this from my mother, who was in real estate. She said that huh. if you smile when you're speaking into the phone, you sound more friendly. Hello. It's, a- it's absolutely true. You know, <laughs> the same the same thing works in singing. It works in singing. Yes, if you sing with mm-hmm. a smile. Sing with a smile. So it really mm-hmm. it really translates to the uh, to the quality of the recording. It's why Eddie Vedder uh-huh. uh, always has that kind of crazy like oh. gr- grimace because he's he yes. he's he's getting the smile sound without smiling. Lemon yellow sun. Yeah. Good morning. Yeah. Good morning. Yeah. It's they say yeah. it takes fewer train our toes. They say it takes fewer muscles <laughs> to smile, but I've never really tracked that down. That's what they say. Yeah, that's what they people say a lot of things, John. It's a lot of work to smile. Let's not kid ourselves. Mm. Although, you know, uh being happy is its own reward. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> yeah, sure, because what do we do stuff for? Yes. Uh, we do stuff to we do stuff for to be happy. Yes, we're we're like little pigeons or monkeys just hitting that bar. We're just trying to be happy. That's why you go to the movies. It's why you buy uh, yourself a new pair of sweats. But if yeah. you're just happy, if you were happy on your way there, you would already be happy. If you were happy, you'd already be happy, and that's its yes. own reward. It's its own reward. Happy is its own reward. Do, do you have a sense of, of the, just roughly, give me a few more. Let's, let's make it just a quick list for our listeners. What are some All other right. things that are its own reward? Hey, uh, yeah. Um, well, is I think. Just happiness, uh, John? No, no. I think exercise is probably its own reward. <laughs> okay. What, exercise. Kindness? Hmm. Kindness, uh, kindness. Cunnilingus? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm uh, really I, there's so many nouns and um I mean no I know we have limited time. I feel like I feel like uh uh yeah like kindness is its own reward for sure. Okay. For right. sure because uh because uh kindness is what you're doing it for. Mm. That's why we that's why we do it. We uh, we just we do it for kindness. It's like I say say to my kid say to say to my kid we we always brush our teeth. Even though I skip it a lot, um, right. we uh, we brush our teeth, and yeah, in some sense we do it for others, but mostly we do it for ourselves. It's uh, it's something we do for us. It's a thing that we just do. It's its own reward. Well, it's yeah, not really. That's is, bullshit. I don't. It, I don't really it, brush my teeth very much. I do. I do. I do. Sometimes I just wet the brush in case my wife checks. Oh, does your daughter check on you? Does she say, you didn't brush your teeth? Oh, she's the hypocrisy police in every conceivable yeah. way. She's looking for every, every loophole. Yep. And I get suckered yep. into it, unlike a friend of the show, John Syracuse, who just says, because because we're the parents and that's the rule. Because I of the usually, wonderful things he does. Because, because, because I usually come up with some kind of, you know, liberal cuck reason for why that oh, is. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I'm 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 in the Syracuse family, Syracuse. you know, of, of of saying um, things are arbitrary. Mm-hmm. You yeah, li- no li- life is arbitrary. Arbit- arbitrariness is its own reward. 
Yes, but that's right. <laughs> Brutality is its own reward. <laughs> On the, you know, <laughs> I think maybe more things are their own reward than I realized. Yeah, let's. Uh, I I agree. Going down the list is uh, is very informative. No, it's it's um, really not going anywhere. I apologize for bringing it up. What are the kinds of things that are not their own reward? Mm-hmm. Uh, anything to do with computers? Oh God, that's been my whole morning. <laughs> been doing computer anything, things. Anything to do with uh, like bills? Actually, oh, yeah. You know, we talk about this a lot. Yeah. You and I. Mm-hmm. But you know, like, um, uh, like I'm really, really trying to uh, uh, interrogate the mm. uh, the dread of doing things, even when the things are fun and don't take don't require anything. It's a thing. Uh, That's the problem. Like the, somebody, some, uh, you know, I, I'm doing a thing tomorrow. I'm uh, I'm interviewing a, a, a choreographer by the name of Mark Morris. He's a famous choreographer. Mm. He had a Mark Morris dance group in oh, New York City. I've heard of that. I totally yeah, heard yeah. of that. Yeah, he does the. He's very, you know, he's he's um, he's spectacular choreographer, and um, and I was asked to you know be his interlocutor at a at an event for his book. But I went last night to the um, to the ballet, the ballot, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and it's called Hard Nut. Mm. Hmm. And it's a re-envisioning of the uh, nut Nutcracker Suite, huh? And it was, uh, you know, and it's sort of like nut, Nutcracker Suite set in 1968, but in like a suburban house. Okay. And um, that, was a, that was a tumultuous year for 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 everybody, not just the crackers. Oh, tell you what, mm. tell you what, I was borned. Hmm. I was borned in then. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, but so, it, but it didn't require anything of me to go to this, you know, all I had to do was just go down there and go in and sit, watch. But as the hour approached, oh boy, more and more, I was just like, oh God, you know, like almost to the level of having a stomach ache that I just had to, oh, I have to do this. Uh, and it's like, you don't, you don't have to do it. You could not do it. Oh no, but I have to do it. Well, what is the matter? It's its own reward. Going mm-hmm. to the ballot. It's its own reward. That's 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 one of the things about art. I don't I don't want to go down a rabbit hole, but that's one of the things about art is that you know ar- ars gratia artists, you know what I'm saying? Sure, I do. Was that who I said do. that? Was that Weesman? But uh, I said art, that all the time. art for its own sake. Well it's on it's on the MGM Oscar Lion. Wilde. It's on the MGM was... Lion. The only thing worse than doing art is not doing art. Yeah, that's right. Losing, the only thing... losing two seems like carelessness with art. Sure, sure. The uh, only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Oh uh, yeah, it was Eisenhower. Yeah. So you went and did you got so went, through the was, stomach ache and went to the ballot. I went to the ballot and the thing about it is like yeah, I want to go to those every day. I should, I feel like it's not just should, I want to go to some kind of cool enriching uh event mm-hmm. um all the time. But not every day, maybe, but I wanna you know, I would like to have an enrichment. Mm-hmm. Uh, as as a component of my life, watch what other people make. Yes, you know, uh, uh, consume uh, magic, find find magic and mm-hmm. consume it. Um, and uh, but but the but the feeling of just rather nodding, uh, Bartlebying everything, um, <laughs> and feeling you know, <laughs> I mean, I, but the thing is, you, bar- you never Bartle- got, you Bartlebied. <laughs> I Bartleby'd. And the thing is, you never get the feeling that Bartleby had any anxiety. I mean, Bartleby didn't feel, it didn't seem to me that he, uh, when he closed the door, uh, was sitting there with a knot in his stomach. 
Like he just preferred not to. He was very honest. That's part of the beauty of the character, I think, and what makes that such an enduring. It was a great phrase, and you know. But I think part of what makes that so enduring is that we, we don't, we never really know why he would prefer not to. We just know that he would prefer not to. And I think in that Dr. Manhattan like way, uh, he becomes inscrutable to his manager because the manager can't get a, a reason out of him. And that makes it even more frustrating. It's very frustrating. But I, very I would prefer not to do almost everything. Well, I know, I know. Yeah. And, uh, and so, it, so it feels it feels like um, I'm going to California mm -hmm. this week. Just, I'm sorry, just, I'm so sorry. Well, you know, it's uh, you know one a, of the good parts, or no, L.A. Yeah, shit. Going to be down there. It's just a it's just a junket. It's just a three dayer. You know, mm -hmm. nothing uh, nothing <laughs> nothing really required of me. Yeah, uh, but it just but uh, but everything's required. Yeah, right, of course, because it's all required. And, uh, and you know, do, do I feel dread? No, mm. not really. But I mean, I also feel like if it didn't happen, you know, if I woke up tomorrow and it was like, no, it's all canceled. I'd be super fine with that. Super fine. Mm -hmm. And this just isn't how this just isn't how one smiles into the microphone. You know what I mean? I do. I do. I do. You, you smile should, into the mic. It would be nice. It would be nice to have, um, a zest for novelty mm. change travel, mm -hmm. these kinds of things instead of some kind of uh, feeling in the pit of your stomach. And I, I just, just real quick, I go through this all the time because my, um, my wife, whom I love, I've been with her 20 years now, she, uh, she likes to do things. Oh, yeah, she does. She, you know what she loves to do? She loves to do things. She loves to plan things. And then oh, she, she likes to plan things. She yeah. loves to plan things. And then she likes to do the things that she's planned. I, I don't I don't like thinking about things, planning things, or doing things. But but yeah. here's the funny part: the kicker and the thing that I don't know why I cannot get this into my bones is that a vast percentage of the time I end up smiling into the mic. My wife yeah. says, "Hey, we're going on a hike today," and I'm like, "Really? Yeah." There's a new season of Steven Universe. Can't we just watch <laughs> TV all day? And she's like, "Nope, we're going hiking." And it's only like a, it's like a you know a, a, a two digit minute trip. Like we're just going to Marin or something like that, and then of two course digit minutes. it's a two 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 digit minute trip, and and then I end up having a great time. Yeah, that's I end up the smiling thing. into the mic, and then why yeah. do I never remember that? Yeah, why is that? Is that, is that not Jermaine? Enough. Is that Jermaine? Because like, do you it end is. up enjoying like in the case of the ballot? Here's the nice thing about art. Also, when we say art, we're not just talking about going to see Archers of Loaf and saying, I hope they play a web in front. We're talking about no. the somewhat more chat. Hey, they're good. It's yeah. somewhat. Duck mm, a pin in my backbone. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. <laughs> All I ever wanted was to be your spine. Uh, I'm not talking about that, although I would love to see them. Uh, sure, I know you'd uh, love to talk about it, too. Ooh, and plan. This episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Keeps. You can learn more about Keeps right now by visiting keeps.com slash supertrain. Losing hair sucks, and two out of three of you fellas will experience hair loss by the time you're 35. Introducing Keeps, the easiest and most affordable way to keep the hair you have. These FDA-approved products used to cost so much, but now, thanks to Keeps, they're finally inexpensive and easy to get. For five minutes now, and starting at just $10 per month, you'll never have to worry about hair loss again. Getting started with Keeps is so easy. Signing up takes less than five minutes. 
You just answer a few questions and snap some photos of your hair. A licensed physician will review your information online and recommend the right treatment for you. Then it's shipped right to your door every three months. Keeps offers generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products out there. Some of you have probably tried them before, but you've probably never gotten them for this price. Keeps' treatments are up to 90% effective at reducing and stopping further hair loss. Some men do experience hair regrowth, and at best, men will get back up to 20% of the hair they lost. Keeps is only $10 to $35 a month. Plus, now you can get your first month free. It's one heck of a deal for getting to keep your hair. Find out why Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of its competitors, and nearly 100,000 men trust Keeps for their hair loss prevention medication. If you suffer from hair loss, the last thing you need is to wait to see a doctor. With Keeps, there is finally a way to get the help you need when you need it. For a limited time, receive your first month of treatment for free. You go to keeps.com slash supertrain. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash supertrain. Get a free month of treatment at keeps.com slash supertrain. Keeps. Hair today, hair tomorrow. Our thanks to Keeps for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows. What I'm talking about, listen, what I want... (laughs) What I'm talking about, though, is when you talk about going to the ballet or, uh, I mean, in the case of us going to see Hamilton, like that's something we've wanted to do forever. And I was looking forward to it and I cried and cried and it was great. But like the also the idea of, of art is mm, it doesn't have to be like a Yoko Ono level of confrontation and challenge, but going in and seeing someone else's um, mise-en-scene. Mm, with the proscenium and other art mm. words you know what i'm saying though you go and you get the full you get the full monty you go somewhere and it's a whole thing and you you let yourself disappear into that yep and then you remember god damn it i should do this at least once a month at least yep. once a month i should go somewhere and sit in a seat or interact with whatever it is and i should be there for someone else's art experience because not even for, I mean, sure for the lofty reasons, but for the unlofty reason of like, this is kind of what, this is part of what makes us special as humans mm-hmm. is being able to go and see a ballot with a crack and nut. It's, it's 100% true. There's a reason that there's a reason that we make and consume art. And I, th- I feel like a lot of it is um, that it's, that it takes fewer muscles to smile. Yeah. But, and, 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 and a, and a big, and a big part of that is that it's better to, it's better to love and it's better to love than be loved as we, as I used to say, and you think it's its own reward. I do. I do. I mean, I, I, I do. I, there's a huge gulf. It's I like, think. It's, it's like the way I pretend to brush my teeth. We mm. love and we, we express that to other people uh, because that's who we are. And that's mm-hmm. just, it's good to do that as a human. That sounds corny in this day and in this economy, that sounds very corny. But I think that's the kind of thing where, like, you have to decide what kind of person you are. The 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 gulf between, um, like, what I would describe as my philosophy and my practice <laughs> is is pretty wide, mm-hmm. and and the gulf the the wide the widest part of that gulf is right at the level of um, misanthropy and. Like uh, every day, I will make some comment to the effect that everybody sucks and mm-hmm. fuck everything. And on but some I level, they do. Yes, mm-hmm. well, absolutely, it's undeniable. But two I don't, things can be true at once. I don't believe it in the in the in the larger 
in the aggregate, right? I believe yeah. that um, that people are basically good. I believe that the world is a hopeful place. I think things are improving. I want things to be better, and I trust that people do also. I think that misunderstanding is is worse than uh, than almost anything outside of outright graft. You know, like I I, I trust. I love the. I love the people over the over the centuries who have thought hard about things. I um, I've thought hard about things, and I think that that is not unique to me, you know. And so, on the one hand, if you if you really like, uh, if you really push me, my my feelings are all positive, and mm-hmm. that positivity is like is like massive. I believe in space travel. I believe that. You know, I believe in technology, and I, be, you know, and I believe that technology is an expression of the of goodwill. But on a practical day to day level, uh, I don't give myself the, I don't give myself the power of, of trying to take that into my everyday. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I think I rob myself of the strength of those feelings. By saying at every turn, like, well, mm-hmm. yeah, it's fine. Uh, people suck. This sucks. This roads and uh, the fucking uh, politics or whatever. Fa- Facebook. Facebook. Right? Uh, my phone. Yeah. You know, and uh, that little shit, that niggling shit, like I, I it, by focusing on it, by repeating it, by, by even, you know, by even enunciating it, I'm, I'm stealing from myself the, the, the thing about my own life that is its own reward, which is this belief, this confidence mm-hmm. that um, that positive wins, you know. Um, and you're also you you're also love. rehearsing. You're um, you're doing a kind of emotional workout that's exercising. This is a terribly mixed metaphor. I just, I, I do think that whatever you do, I don't know, it was Aristotle, somebody said this, that, you know, what, what you, what you do frequently is who you are. And oh, so, no, it was probably Eisenhower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eisenhower. He, he had the right, four, right be- four quadrants. Yeah, right before he invaded Japan. The philosophical and industrial complex. Mm-hmm. The, uh, but whatever we do habitually, what becomes automatic is who we are. Right. And right. this is not even getting into a whole Daniel Kahneman two ways of thinking stuff, although I think that stuff is real and important. Yet the, the thing is that whatever you do a lot becomes who you are. And so if you find, if one finds oneself rehearsing a certain kind of nearly automatic emotional response, well, that tells the story. Mm-hmm. Can I kind of give an angle on this? You said something, um, you said something on Twitter the other day that I thought was really nice and thoughtful where you were talking about. Uh, roughly speaking, talking about kids that your uh, your kid knows who who are not gender conforming in the you yeah. know classic way, yeah. and that's you know that has for so long stuff like that stuff around gender and sexual identity has for so long been such a hot button issue, and like to me like alongside how we feel about people of other races, uh, just as an example, um, the big pattern there I feel like is what have you been exposed to. And then further to that, what have you been exposed to a lot? Now, in the example you give from your tweet of uh, 9.03 a.m. December 4th, mm. I completely agree with what you say, which is that for kids, this stuff is not complicated. It's it's very uncomplicated. There is yeah. not – it's it's 
it's it's shocking to me how much has changed. And I know we're not there yet. I know we're not there yet. But but it is so interesting to me how like little kids just are not all twisted up about this stuff in the way that we are and we have been. And why is that? Well, one reason is their minds have not been habitually poisoned by decades of bullshit. But certainly another one is yet another one is exposure. Like when you're exposed to gay people, when you're exposed to trans people, and I'm not trying to virtue signal here. I'm saying this goes for everything. I'm saying this goes for black people. I'm saying this goes for Jewish people. Like when you spend a lot of time, let's just go with an easy one. What used to be called miscegenation. It used to be so rare to meet a couple of two different races, particularly a black person and a white person. And it was pretty shocking for a long time. When that's just a thing you see all the time, it, it seems so silly to look at it any other way than they're just the same kind of fucked up, terrible people as anybody else, but they're not fucked up and terrible because they're of different races. Why? Because you're exposed to it. And that first order exposure, uh, it, it does tell a story, but then there's another kind of thing, which is what we're talking about here, which is what, what are you exposed to that's not that? If you're only exposed to yourself and your opinions, or you're exposed to other people who share that same opinion, right? The music goes round. You're not smiling into the mic anymore. Now, whatever like reckon you have about all of these others is just constantly reamplified, right? And so I think that goes for the people you spend time with. And it definitely goes for being by yourself. Whatever thing you have banging around in that fucking bucket you have on the top of your neck, whatever's going around in your mind that you habitually turn over and over that's going to become a more and more entrenched opinion or reckon just because you haven't gotten enough exposure to other things. Not that you have to change your mind or that you should change your mind, not you, but one, but that that's the downside of this whole, I don't want to go out or I don't want to do things for me. Like when I go out and I do things, I get exposed to things, even if it's a fucking tree. And that is new information for me and a different setting. And it shakes me out of whatever bullshit I'm heavily involved in. But it takes beating the resistance of saying I should be exposed to other things, even if it's a tree or a trans person. Do, does that, does that comport? The, 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 the thing that I can't measure is how much is this current, uh, how, how much is my, my, my present state actually a product of the 20, 30 years, 40 years of uh, uh, that conversation. You know, you don't, you don't perceive yourself to be made by yourself. You perceive yourself to be made by your experiences of others, by the, you know, by the, by your parents, by society, by your culture, by whatever, you know, yeah. you perceive yourself as a, uh, in, in most ways, as a uh, as a you know passive, you've got yourself, and yourself has integrity, and yourself is constant. I guess is one way that we that we sort of feel about our our internal selves, mm -hmm. and we're buffeted by everything. And, and outside. your, your but, brain is wired. Your brain is absolutely wired. The, the, the pipes and wires in your brain are there to assure you that you've always been the same person. That's right. Exactly. So, but it'll, it'll but, fight, uh, it'll fight any attempt to alter that feeling. But every, everything that, you know, as you just described, right, everything that we've been telling ourselves for the, the 40 odd years that we've been telling ourselves things in our cases, um, 
and who knows back to what point, at what point I started telling myself things. I was, I had to have been four, right? Um, mm -hmm. Because you, because the first time somebody says, "Why are you a bad boy?" I mean, you go, hmm, "Why am I a bad boy?" <laughs> I have my <laughs> reasons. <laughs> but how much of that, and 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 really, who we are has to be in large part shaped by that conversation and those. And so now, my because what I do is I contrast my reluctance to go to the ballot right now with those. Parts of those times in my life when I had zero reluctance to go to the ballot, when I went to dance all the time, I went to theater all the time. And I, when I think about it now, I'm, I'm quick to say, well, I didn't have anything else going on. I was poor. I lived in the center of town. I didn't have any responsibilities. And I, and I had access to the arts because I was a member of the arts community. So I could go to things like dance and it didn't cost anything. And I knew people in the production. And so it was obvious why I was there. But but what's not obvious, because that, all that is still true, what's not obvious is why I'm now like, oh, God, I got to go to a dance. And, and it has to be, 100% has to be a product of 30 years of kind of subtly and, and often as a joke even saying, ah, people suck. And, it, and it's a, it's a little, it's a routine that we play here in Seattle and I'm sure in San Francisco and I'm sure all over the world where it's a way that you, if you're talking to somebody at a party, you both agree that, that everybody sucks. And that's a way that you like kind of jokingly make friends, right? Like, Hey, how's, you know, how was your trip over here? Ugh, the best way this. to bond with any person is to find something both of you don't like. Right. Which is, which is really easy if you decide that it's everybody. Mm, who, everybody who we, else. Who do we not like? Everybody else, including us, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're the worst. <laughs> and, 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 uh, and that has had that that's had a pernicious and a, a pernicious effect, but, but really has probably, and this is what you were saying, like my mind doesn't want this to be true, yeah. but that I've built myself partly out of these parts and I don't mean them. They were, they started as, they started as, as, uh, as sort of, um, whimsically as, as when I first started saying like, right on, you know, like I, I first heard myself say right on. And I was like, that's ridiculous. I'm that, going to say that all the time. That's me with both the Eddie Vedder voice, voice and the Paul Stanley voice. In my, in my, ba <laughs> right. in my band, because we, we would listen to, you know, we were really into bootlegs and celebrities at the worst. But like when we started saying, <laughs> okay, that's kind of funny the first time you do it. The first time you go, yeah, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. But then you just start doing it all the time. Is it still yeah. a joke? Is it? Because it, it's kind of like just just like you picked up a new curse word and now you just use it all the time without ever meaning yeah. to. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's it's it's how Billy Joe Armstrong started singing in a British accent. How else will you find out if people like cold gin? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> Toronto. <laughs> ah, God bless him. God bless him. <laughs> All right. This uh, comes from where venom comes from. <laughs> I know it needs fucking strings. They got to sprinkle some fairy dust on it. Colonel Sanders saying it's entirely different. All of these. John Wayne. I'm not talking for clapping. <laughs> 
<laughs> They're in my head. The fucking jerky boys are in there. There's just this, this whole sad theme park of things I never meant to learn, let alone quote. God, well, God knows have... how many emotions are like that. How many responses yeah, right. are like that? How much Ugh. your actual, the, the, what you look out of your, your eye ports and bring back into your mind and where, what room you put those perceptions in, you know, every new experience, it's like, you have to put it into some file cabinet somewhere. Yes. And the more file cabinets you build that are like Eddie Vedder voice, it's like, well, what, and, and the, older, this? the older you get just to really reduce this. I mean, I, however we got this way is how we got this way. But one thing I feel fairly certain about is, and I think this, this ebbs and flows, it wanes, maybe you broaden a little bit in college or whatever, cause you're like all wavy gravy. But I feel like the number of places you have the energy or enthusiasm to file something gets greatly reduced. Right. Yeah. And it's like, we, you go back again, classic bit. You go back to Steve Martin. You meet the girl and she says, let's go camping. And you say, sorry, we're closed. <laughs> that's, that's us now. That's us. We have a filing cabinet and only about four folders that we use. And the fattest one is that this is bullshit and people suck. Yeah, it's so it's, easy and to file into that folder. You could just throw it. It's like, it's like having a, a husky, <coughs> like a husky a garbage can you could just chuck stuff into. What was the movie where the little girl was driving herself from inside her brain and she had memories were marbles inside out and inside out. Right. And that, that whole scene where there's just this endless, uh, field of dead memories that <sighs> fall down into a hole or fall down into a wasteland. Yeah. And you, and you can go find them and grab, I think grab one, even though they're dead. Yeah. Uh, but that, the thing is, all those file cabinets are in me still that that are from a long time ago. Like, like this is amazing, or I never saw that before. Mm -hmm. And it's just that I don't want to make the trip down the flight of stairs to find them. Then, so you're right. I'm just cramming everything in the five file cabinets that are right there in the in the alcove. You well, know. Also, I mean, I can be so in thinking about. And thinking about what with time travel, something maybe with Dr. Manhattan, I thought, oh, gosh, you know, my favorite novel, sorry, I'm a child. My favorite novel is still, well, it's up there. Confederacy of Dunces and Slaughterhouse-Five are the books that I've yeah. read the most and loved the most over my teen years plus. And it brings me back to uh, reading um, Slaughterhouse-Five <clears throat> and listening to, to, the, to the book on tape read by James Franco. But in any case, so when I go and I read it. Wait a minute. Slaughterhouse-Five on tape is read by James Franco? <laughs> it sounds like something from Spinal Tap. <laughs> <laughs> right? Dylan Thomas read by, you know, um, but so, okay, but here's the thing. So what do I do? Do I, do I return to the library to go find some extremely outlandish French speculative fiction from the 19th century about time travel or whatever? No, I return to the book I've literally read the most. So if I'm going to go find a bing bong in my, in my memory pit, it's going to be one that's very familiar to me because that's the, that's the related thing to the filing system. Like listening. So let's go back to your pal, uh, Billy Joe Ding Dong. When, when, as soon as I hear a Green Day song, that, that, that makes me want to go, uh, go listen to, uh, uh, what's the band? Never fall in love with someone should have fallen in love with. Uh, you know, what's that band? The band from Man you, Manchester. Yeah. Beulah. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> the. Oh my God! <gasps> They're one of my Ma favorite bands. Uh, Mahavishnu the Ma Orchestra. Uh, no, you're the, talking about the da, Teenage da, Fan da, Club. Da, 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 the oh my cure. God, Pete Shelley. Ever the Banana Hammocks. Oh my God, I'm so angry. The Buzzcocks. My the God, Buzz I'm, I'm going to edit this entire show. There it was. But see what I'm saying? Like that, yeah, or sure. like, or like, I'll put on some Interpol. That's great. That makes me want to go listen to Joy Division. 
Because sure, like sure, that's sure. my sorting back, algorithm. It's like, oh, it's just quote unquote new thing. But what that makes me want to do is go back to the things that that are familiar to me. And and I, I feel like the the section of Slaughterhouse Five where he is out sort of talking about talking about the war and talking about his friend and talking about you know having operators in various cities call people when his breath smells like uh, roses and mustard gas. I could practically recite that section. I've read and heard it so many times. I've heard it read by him. It's on Spotify. Uh, Vonnegut, not James Franco. But uh, you yeah. know what I'm saying? That the familiar, familiarity and that, that quest for, you know, the broken-in chair of emotions and memories – is so much more attractive than I'm going to go leave the house and see a different take on Tchaikovsky tonight. Well, this was what was so interesting about last night for me, because <clears throat> sitting in the theater, the lights go down, and the hard nut is this modern re- reinterpretation of the of the uh, uh, the Nutcracker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and as the and as, as the light, <laughs> as the lights go down and the and the uh, curtain comes up. I realize a couple of things. One, I have never seen the Nutcracker. Neither have I. My no one ever goes, took My me. family goes every year, and I don't. Yep, my family goes every year. I have no desire and, to see the Nutcracker. But the thing is, no one ever took me as a child, mm-hmm. and it is not part of you know. I've never seen It's a Wonderful Life mm. because it just wasn't a thing that you know. If I mean, I I'm sure many times I was skipping through the channels and It's a Wonderful Life was there and I just kept going looking for something else. It was in black and white, you know, until it got colorized, but you know. I mean, if it was in black and white and people were shooting guns at each other, I would have stopped. Sure, sure. But it's just like, well, there's a filthy animal. What the fuck is this? No, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) So I've never seen some of these iconic things, but so going in the, the curtain comes up and I'm like, oh, I don't know what the nutcracker is. I've seen Fantasia, Mm -hmm. but I don't know what this is. I know that there's a nutcracker in it. Yes, the and there's a sugar cracker of nuts. There's a sugar plum fairy, and also I've heard the overture and half the songs because they're part of their cultural yeah. uh, patrimony. I know there's a mouse. Know there's the a mouse and a Christmas tree and a girl yeah. and a nutcracker, and I know hey, the music. That's about you know it. more than I do. Yeah. So I'm going in. A mouse well, or so rat? This is, I think it's an upsetting. It's rat. a rat. I think okay. it's a rat. Um. There's uh, so we go into the show, and this is a re-envisioning of it, and there are there are jokes in it. It's a funny production <laughs> because it's and and some of the humor is 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 broad. Some of it is is referential humor to things that people know about the Nutcracker. Mm-hmm. That's funny. So, they do that in the Shrek musical too. <laughs> yeah, it's like really it's fun, but the audience is laughing, and I am sitting there like very. Uh, it's very appealing to me. I'm very engaged and enjoying it, but, and I'm, and I get the humor, I get the broadness of the humor and I get, I get some of the dance humor. I know, you know, I understand what a funny walk is. They're doing some funny, it looks like some funny gender bending. A ton of uh, like the, the, some of the boy roles are played by girls. Some of the girl roles are played by boys. Everybody's Uh everybody, you know, they're, they're, and, (laughs) <laughs> and and what's amazing is that there are people of a lot of different sizes and body shapes in it. It's not they're not ballerinas, you know. There are some mm. people that are thick. There are some there are people where you're just not sure what the it's the costume that's t- that's telling you what to think, right? It's not the you're not looking at their body and and um, and and understanding the character. It's the hat that's mm-hmm. telling you what the character is. 
but I'm sitting there and I'm going <clears throat> like, I'm here. I am like, I'm learning something. And, and, and also I'm learning how much I don't know about <laughs> this iconic thing. I do not get what, why the audience just laughed. And I never am sitting in a chair, not getting why the audience laughed. And I liked <laughs> That's it. That's probably telling, you know, I was just mm-hmm. like, wow, what, Wow, you guys are all there's like there's 2500 people in this theater that are uh that are consuming this in in a different way. Um and I'm like like a foreigner, a foreigner. And then I also realized I don't like the language of dance is an artistic language that I barely know I barely know the the grammar. Mm-hmm. Right? And I feel like if I go and look at a if I watch a movie, if I look at a painting, if I read a book or a play, if I listen to music, I I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on the language that's being used and I don't get every reference to everything, but you know, I I I can I feel like I can look at a painting and give you a critical appraisal of it. I for the, exa- if, the example for me that's analogous to be honest is um if you ever hear um like lyric Italian poetry read in Italian. I mean, you can pick up little bits and pieces of what some of the words are, but you mean you're listening for the musicality, right? Our humanities right. professor, one of our professors at college used to read, uh, read poems in, in Greek. Same, same effect where you're like, Oh God, that is so beautiful. I have no fucking idea what's going on, but I know it's good and I know it's beautiful. That's right. how I feel when I go to dance. Like if, if, if I get an exposure to, we used to, when my kid was really, really little, the first YouTube videos we watched for her were this, um, ballet, this dance company that would put up these amazing videos of them, like doing rehearsals and doing performances. And we would just watch it over and over and over. I mean, and, and I would appreciate the, the athleticism and the, all the things, but like, I can't even, I see, I don't know enough to know what I don't know. I don't right. know. I don't know what I'm missing in this performance because I'm just such a fucking dumbass about it. And that's the and that was really fun for me, right? Like mm-hmm. I I have no idea. That seems hard. But you could could you tell you that know? it's good? Well, that's the that's the level that that's the level of appreciation I had was just like, whoa, that was tricky. And then <laughs> I couldn't do you that. know. Uh, and then I'm watching them do things that look simple, and I'm going, is this simple? And looking at it more closely, like I saw I saw um, a, a, a buto one time, and it was it was some legendary. Uh, Buto performance from Japan that never left Japan, and they came to Seattle one time for some reason. I don't know what their their flight got canceled or something. No, it was a big deal. You mm-hmm. know, they were here, and I went to see it, and it was one of those things where at first is Buto is that a style of theater? Uh, it's a style of dance that's like super slow, okay, and super heavy. And at first, I was like, when are they going to start? Dancing. <laughs> what are they gonna start prancing? <laughs> like what the fuck is happening? But then as as I sat there, you know, kind of like impatiently, I I zoomed in on what was happening and all of a sudden I was transfixed, you know, because it was so other other otherworldly. Mm-hmm. And um and so la- you know, last night there there were dances that were obvious, right? And and I don't mean obvious like like cliched or boring. It was just like this is obviously amazing. It's a spectacle, right? There's there's uh, forty people on stage and they are moving really fast and they're doing incredible leaps and you know like amazing. But there are other there are other moments where there's just one person or two people on the stage and they're moving slowly and they're doing other things. And I'm yeah I'm I was just obviously I I couldn't do it, but but also like 
I'm trying to find what's amazing about it. It's all, it's all the type of thing that used to happen to me all the time where I would go out and just be, um, just be blown away by something that I didn't, that I didn't know. I didn't know. Yes. And where along the way I decided that I knew everything already <laughs> or that, um, you know, oh, I got to go to another dance thing. I mean, I don't know enough about dance to be bored by it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, I know I exactly off? what you mean. <laughs> I know exactly. Well, again, and, that's the thing is we can watch something and even if we don't know a lot about it, you can go like, I can tell this is good or I can tell this is bad, but right. I may not be able to tell you precisely why. I don't know. I, I don't know enough. What is it? I don't know enough to know why I'm bored. <laughs> Well, I, but also painting, like I like when when I really think about it, I don't know anything about painting. Mm-hmm. Who, where, where am I? How am I sitting in a gallery and going, nope, nope? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm having an emotional reaction, and that's great, and that's what art is about, and I should sit and be with those. So that's why I'm there, yeah, right, to look at the painting, and you're there as much to look at a painting and go no, as you are to say yes, but that no isn't. It, it, it isn't, you're not blasé. It's not, you're not dismissing it. You're having a feeling about it. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason that I go do things. And that's a positive, you know, that's a, that's a thing that I, that's its own reward. Yes. And, true, um, true, truly. And, mm-hmm. yeah. And trying to, trying to, it's not retain, although it is retained, but also regain the positivity that's in me that's profoundly in me that because the thing is if i'm out on the beach and i turn over a rock and there's a crab under there there is no i have no critical uh voice right there's no part of me that's like huh another crab right i'm down on my <laughs> knees and i'm like i'm like crab 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 right. go crab go oh what happens crab if a rock gets in your way do you go around it oh ha, ha he goes around it you know like a worm in the dirt will transfix me for 20 minutes but somehow like a like i'm too I'm like I'm over classical music <laughs> or something. Yeah. So how to get back to that? Like I just turned over because I'll go down to the beach and turn over rocks all afternoon. Sure. And um, and yet there are people like right around me who are pouring their hearts into stuff. And you know, you and I both know there's so much bad art, and there's so many people pouring their hearts into things who should have just gotten jobs. <laughs> and I wish that they would stop pouring. They, they their should. Hearts into they these. should have been um, <laughs> at an early age. They should have been discouraged. Somebody should have. Tested them, yeah, uh, repeatedly in uh, in primary school, and directed them just very gently, guided them yeah. to a o- lifetime automobile of, repair. Yeah. yeah, lifetime of servitude and toil. No, I mean <laughs> even the even the automobile people are, uh, you know, a truly gifted auto mechanic. Oh God, yes. I believe they should be carried around on a litter covered with fruit. Oh yeah, I didn't mean that dismissively. I spent more than well. If you had a little, if you had a little boy, and you know it would be a boy, you had a little boy who just kept running into the wall. Like, yeah. just kept running his head directly into the wall. Eventually, you would say, uh, it looks like you're having fun with that. Not sure where you're going with that, but you, you need to stop doing that. It's bad for you. It's bad for us. It's bad for the wall. I think you should do that with uh, kids who make bad art, you know, at a certain age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You should probably do, you know, up to 35. There's a lot of people who are 32 who should be talked out of their art. I really do believe that. And yeah. I don't, you know, because the 
I, we I should do... be positive and smile into the mic. We should. But there's a, there's a, there's a lot of very, very silly stuff. And, and God bless the tolerant communities that just keep putting posters in the window for that kind of thing. But it's just, well, uh, you know, I feel like there, I feel like there are a lot of people making art who could be doing very important work elsewhere. It's not that I think that they should stop doing art and go, uh, you know, and go like grab an ore on a uh, on like a, a Roman uh, war barge. Oh, not like not like Les Mis level of uh, manual labor. No, they should be doing something else mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with the energy that they feel like they're pouring into their art or to their mindfulness should, retreat. Should there be a government service, John? Should there be something like like in uh, like in England, they, they have all kinds of jobs, program stuff to help you find the right kind of job. It's the kind of thing right. we used to do. You know, should there be somebody, you know, and let's be honest, beyond a guidance counselor, no shade, mm-hmm. no lemonade, but mm-hmm. almost all of the advice I got from guidance counselors in high school was empirically terrible. Yeah, and, I mean, like uniformly empirically terrible and discouraging in a non-positive way. Like these are people who've been beaten by life, and their advice was always join the Air Force. That was <laughs> that was the extent of the advice. You would have been great in the Air Force. Do you think? Yeah, I do. Well, there's For, a time when I mean, the Marines you know, were heavily trying to recruit me because I'd done very well on the ASVAB. And yeah. so they got to the point where the Marine guy would drive his government car to the house and pick me up to come in and watch movies at, at the recruitment station and uh, drink coffee. And at the time, I, loved, I was just getting into coffee. So I would go and, and watch movies. And Have you ever seen a grown man naked? <laughs> the, what I remember about that, I remember being very hot up on coffee with the Marines. Uh, uh-huh. But I also remember saying, oh, yeah, my friend, uh, my friend uh, Ricky, you know, just uh, recently joined the, uh, the Air Force. He said, well, you should Ooh. tell that individual to buy some oil rags. <laughs> I, and I don't know what, what that means. And I said, I said, why, why would I tell him that? He says, to keep the ants off his candy ass is what I remember from 1985. <laughs> that's what you, that, that's what keeps ants off your candy ass is oil hope, rags. Hope Ricky got those oil cloths, whatever that is. <laughs> hey, Ricky, it's me. Oh, what's going on? Oh, nothing, nothing, nothing. Just, you know, I'm not, I'm just doing much. Just, uh, I, I want to pass on a message from the sergeant at the Marine station. <laughs> okay, I gotta go. I'm, I'm still in training for the uh, Air Force. Oh yeah, uh, to, to yeah. that point, um, he had a suggestion about your candy ass. Uh, yeah, ants, your candy ass. Uh, I, I feel like a lot of the advice I got from guidance counselors was based. You know, I, you and I both grew up in a time when all of the textbooks were leftovers from a period when we were still trying to beat the Russians to the moon. Right. Like we were still mm-hmm. living in that like stop, drop and roll kind of uh, universe that where, where they just hadn't updated. And, and anything. I, I will make my annual reference to the government class that everybody had to take in 12th, 12th, 12th grade, which is called comparative government. Americanism versus communism was AVC was literally the name of my 12th grade history course. Yeah. Americanism. Americanism famous, versus communism. The- yeah, who, was famous, our uh, who was our Karl Marx? <laughs> <laughs> and our Karl Marx was Johnny Appleseed, uh, Mr. America. He, <laughs> yeah. Played by Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> but that but that stuff, I mean, that whole like abandon your dreams thing was just based on I think it it they thought it was positive because it was it was built out of the remnants of that idea that everybody could do better than their parents and there was always going to be you were always going to be able to retire Mm-hmm. At, at 55. It was also a time and, when you could, you could still, I mean, in the classic example, the now in retrospect, somewhat false economy of Detroit in the 40s, 50s, 60s was the idea that you could be a manual laborer in a union who earned a 
<laughs> what is it you like to say? Uh, you know, you try and get the, uh, the income of, uh, of a relatively successful dentist. Like yeah. you could, you could, uh, as an African American in Detroit in the fifties, get a fully middle class house buying income with benefits and retirement as a manual laborer, yeah. which I think you tell these kids today that and they're going to be like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, but I, I, but I do spreadsheets all day and I can't afford rent, you know? What kept us out of, you know, what the, what the, uh, the guidance counselors did to us was say like, kill your dreams. But what, but we're in a different world now. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the, some of the people I admire the most are the ones that are like, I like building. And so I just build, I build things. That's what I like to do. I build things. And then I, and then I, and, and the making a living from it comes, right? You have to hustle, you have to hustle in whatever you're doing. But the people that just completely abandoned the, and not abandoned, but just never walked into the whole universe of, well, you've got to take French if you're, if you're in a college preparatory path. Yes. Yes. And, and you have, just to, do, you have like, to take this, all of these courses that you're going to need for college. And then once you're in college, there's still so many distribution requirements. And if you don't hew to this very well-defined path, you're going to go need to talk to the guidance counselor about what your plan B is going to be. Yeah. About joining the air force and getting a, getting some rags to keep the ants off your ass. Yeah. Oil rags. Yeah. Uh, but I, <laughs> I don't even, I gotta find out what an oil rag is. Like, I yeah, really, you're right. I, I agree. I agree. I, I, they, really, I, I think the, in their mind, what they said is practical. They are being yep. practical. They're, they're helping you with a path that is practical. And one reason it's practical is that is, it is, it is realistic and it is doable. Given the condition that you are in, this is something you can do. You can become good at this, but you know what? That other path, it looks like it's not for you. The, the somewhere I think along the way, the idea that we all were, <clears throat> I mean, I've talked about this a lot that we're not just that we're all artists, but that we're all gifted. Um, but the, you know, the American thing, well, one of the main things that differentiates it from the communisms is that everyone in America is uh, like our individual, our individuality is our, is maybe our most important quality, our uniqueness, our, and, and, and we've laughed about it since the, the beginning of this show that everyone is a special flower, but, but somewhere along the line, there was a period of, of, of our show where we talked a lot about the rise of people that were, that were making artisanal, I mean, we haven't said artist anal in four Mm-mm. years, but we used to say it all the time. That, because well, I'm happy a, to say that one has achieved escape velocity. I think it's up there nice. with interrogate at this point as having achieved, uh, you know, exit velocity from from our particular uh, <laughs> people who orbit. have never met us are saying it and have no mm-hmm. idea where it came from. Yeah, yeah. box zero. But but um, forty three fold. <laughs> Uh, but <laughs> it's been a long time since I've had 43 folders. <laughs> now I have like four, I have like four folders and one of them is very, very, very thick. <laughs> <laughs> it says everybody sucks. Everybody and sucks. sucks. Yeah. But that, but that whole, uh, that, what feels now like, I don't know if it was a brief moment or if it, uh, or if it's just, if it's ongoing and it's just overshadowed by the fact that everyone is shouting now or whether it really has percolated into the culture at large. But the idea in 2014 or whatever that, that what, 
really made sense was to spend a lot of money on one jacket that you wore the rest of your life rather than buy a bunch of Chinese jackets, a new one every year. And that was a philosophy that people were were trying to grapple with. And they were like, do I really believe that I should pay $300 for a coat that I'm going to live, that I'm going to wear forever? Or do I want to just go to Nordstrom Rack and buy a, a garbage jacket every season? Mm-hmm. Like, where am I on that? Do, and there are plenty of people who are listening to this program who have a knife that is their life knife. And Mm -hmm. they're wearing shoes that that they got specifically because those shoes can be resold. Now, whether or not they will ever resold those shoes, who knows? But somewhere in that philosophy and that mentality is a dissemination of of a different attitude toward work, a different attitude toward – that's not just like becoming a craftsman or a craftsperson, but like an – idea that the work and this is what i admire so much about chefs in a way chefs and dancers because when a chef makes a meal it's and then you eat it it's gone and there's no <laughs> you know you don't go pop in the vc the, the the videotape and watch it again and if you did it wouldn't matt it wouldn't be it's not the same as eating it and unlike me or or someone who's working on a on an app right now who in in some way believes that the work they're doing is going to live forever or at least it or at least is important and matters uh, in some way beyond just the its moment its moment of creation like if you're if you're a cook your food is only hot for what 5 minutes it's, it is by definition ephemeral. It comes from these days, if you're doing like some version of California, which everybody is, of course, like it, it's the fresh local ingredients that are only good for so long that are then used to produce a dish that is necessarily ephemeral because it'll be gone in less than an hour. But like, why isn't that maybe true or more true or thought of as more true of all work? You know, mm. we came, we came a you and I came up in a time when the work that we admired was like Melville, right? Or, <laughs> or, or Saul Bellow, but what, but it was all thought of as, uh, as stuff that was going to last. Yeah. That was, uh, that was part of being in the canon. Like you wanted something right. that would be in the canon. You got into it and it was, mm-hmm. it was, it was going to be mean. It was going to resonate. It was going to be meaningful. And maybe, you know, the, the, the really lucky ones, I was thinking about this the other day, 30 years from now, no one is going to remember Eric Clapton. Hmm. And that's crazy considering how... You don't think they'll still be, still be listening to Layla? It, it, it might come on in a playlist that nobody knows, but I mean, are, are, when was the last time you heard somebody talk about Jelly Roll Morton? I feel that way about Billy Murray. Um, when you listen to old-timey music shows, there's some really good like you know, music from the early part of the 20th century, and there's a singer named Billy Murray, and like he's on everything. He was huge. He did so many sides for all these different like labels at the time. And, you know, he's one of those singer who sings like this. And yeah. he uh, was like an Irish tenor, I believe. But he was everywhere. He was the what? The, not the Lady Gaga of his time? Maybe the Adele of his time? Where yeah. like he, everybody loved Billy Murray and he was huge. And when I said his name right now, I bet you almost every person in the audience said, oh, do you mean the guy from Caddyshack? Well, understandably, you, understandably, because that's the point. He's nobody the, remembers Billy Murray. 
the huge musicians of the 1920s, like the ones that we remember, are <laughs> are Louis Armstrong, yeah. and you know Benny Goodman came along uh, in there. But yeah. like, who remembers Fletcher Henderson? Yeah, no. Or or Cliff Edwards, and they, these were big, big Look artists. Look at the sixties. Well, so- how many people talk about fucking Oscar Peterson? Sit down and spend an afternoon listening to Oscar P- Peterson. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not chiding here because I do the same thing. Yeah. Oscar Peterson, Charles Mingus, Thelonious Monk. There's a whole bunch of artists where like you could sit down and in the in the space for me, Richard Thompson. I'm always trying to sell people on Richard Thompson. Go spend fucking half a day on Spotify just listening to their shit, and it's gonna you're gonna have shivers. Any, well, any of those people. The thing is that the, that that for you and me, right? The idea that that there would ever be a moment, and we've been talking about this for a long time, I think, mm-hmm. in a different way, which is the, just that I, I I I say a lot how much I don't feel like I'm in. This is a conversation Ted Leo and I used to have that neither one of us really is fully in the indie rock canon. Um, we're we're a subset of a subset. And bands like the bands that will define my era, the Shins, the Decemberists, um, the New Pornographers, Death Cab, Death Cab, uh, you know, in a way like Death Cab, it, it, it defines it to the point that they're kind of almost outside of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the bands that are, you know, like I, I, I would, uh, I always aspired to be at the level of the new pornographers and never will, you know? And, and so when you extrapolate that to the music, the popular music that, that really defined us growing up, which is of course the music of the 60s, 70s and 80s. But, but the, but the, but the idea that somewhere along the line, the Beatles and the stones will be the shorthand for our entire lives. Oh, and in, in the same way that my daughter thinks the 90s are the 60s are the 70s. Like anything old right. might as well be 90s or 60s or 70s. That's right. And, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's, no, there's no sense of like that we have of, oh, this came after that. Like we, we know that Houses of the Holy came after Led Zeppelin too. Not, not, not directly, but you know what I mean? Like we have, a, we have some chronology of when things happened that is inextricable from the experience of the music in that case. And it, and it, and it wasn't that long ago, like the music that my mom listened to, mm-hmm. um, uh, what, when was the last time Vaughn Monroe came on the, I mean, she, and she's, she's one of those generations that's in between the, mm-hmm. in between big band jazz and cool jazz. Very similar kind of like, to my, my mom and dad were like they and they have that shared experience of, of course I didn't listen to rock music to quote your mom. I, I thrived on being a grown-up and being seen as a grown-up. And the last thing I would do is listen to this ridiculous teeny bopper music from England. Right. Nat Cole, Nat Cole Trio. It was a huge deal when he went solo and it was very controversial because he did pop stuff and people got mad at him. But there are these artists that at the time, I mean, people, okay, Bing Crosby, that's one that everybody knows, right? Because of White Christmas. But do they know like how huge he was? And you ask people, well, what decade was he? Or Sinatra. You ask people, what decade was Sinatra really popular? And how he kind of had two or maybe arguably three acts in his career. And you're right, though. It's like there's this, again, this sorting algorithm where we end up with, I think your Beatles and the Stones things is probably really right on. Because they, they, the, the Beatles are our idea of what a good rock band is, and the Stones refuse to go away. They, like, they are rock music to some right. people, probably. Right. And, and, and in the end, we'll be... 
I mean, we, we can, we, you and I could sit here and name 10 classical composers and what we, and <laughs> Maybe. probably between us <laughs> Maybe. and, and what we don't realize what, what we're not uh, informed enough to know is that those 10 classical composers are, they actually represent 400 years of right. classical music. And we think of them as, as being more or less contemporaries of one another, right? Like, Oh <laughs> right. sure. Like, you know, there's uh Handel and there's Beethoven and there's um, Rachmaninoff and, you know, and, yeah. and well, we are talking about, you're talking about, you're talking Mozart. about centuries, Bach, Bach to Ives or, or to on uh, WC or whatever is like that. You're talking 300, 200, 300 years. Yeah. Right. And, and that, and when, when our own time years, is, yeah. when our own time is condensed, that same way. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, sure, Louis Armstrong and the Beatles and you and you see it in the existing terrestrial radio that's still alive, you very much see this because at least places I've lived, um, there is a classical station, which is usually a like an NPR station or similar, yeah. some kind of public media station. I don't know if it's NPR always, but like local public media and it's a it's a classical station. They call it classical music. Well, what do you mean by classical? You know, are you talking about romantic? Are you talking about like which which era are you talking about? Oh, I'm talking about the classical music station because it's all all of the music with violins and oboes is at 88.9. That's what I know <laughs> about classical music. And how and then so like only slightly less, only slightly more subtle than that is the greatest hits of the 60s, 70s, 80s, and beyond. <laughs> KFUK. You know, That's and it's right. and it's like whoa, 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 what the hits of what. <laughs> I mean, I have extremely strong opinions about like every REM album. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let alone like, uh, do the zombies really fit in with, uh, you know, the cranberries singing a song about zombies? Those are two very, very different things to me. <laughs> which, which all kind of gets to this idea that like there was something about our time, yours and mine in particular. Uh, and 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 it, and it's and it's still present mm -hmm. where it's not just that we it's not just that every person thought they were special it's that somehow our our ambitions our aspirations what was what was considered success was that you made something that that or contributed to something that persevered that was part of the you know, part of the tower we were building to the moon mm -hmm. or part of the, you know, we were building the uh, new future. And if, and if you think back to, you know, I don't know, before the 19th century, I mean, you know, it, it's kind of an 18th century idea, right? That, that, um, that anybody's ever going to read these books beyond, uh, beyond the popular market for them this year. Uh, that that you would be writing a book that people would continue to study many 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 years later. You know the the um, we we're so down on on like disposable culture now when mm -hmm. really all culture is disposable ultimately and and it all should be. I was thinking about this mm -hmm. when 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 I've thought about the fifties my whole life. You think about the fifties from our from our perspective having been born after the 50s you think about them as kind of locked in time and mm -hmm. in that sense they lasted forever 
They lasted forever when they were happening, in my mind, right? It was the 50s forever when it was the 50s. So there was time, if you were living in the 50s, you had the time to experience all the 50s, to have been into Marilyn Monroe and also to have been into jazz and reading The New Yorker then and also being living in a Levitt town and also, you know, being a pioneer in Alaska and, you know, like uh-huh. all of and driving a big car with fins, but also being contemptuous of big cars with fins. Like there was so there's so much we've spent so much time thinking about the 50s and processing them that it's hard to it's hard for me sometimes to imagine that some of those things that are now eternal about the 50s only lasted for a couple of months. Think about the summer of love. Think about yeah, 19, right. 1967. <laughs> it was and three, like, three months. <laughs> and, but when you when you went from there's some cool cats hanging out and smoking weed to heroin is destroying the community was less than a summer. It was basically, yeah. you had basically a good six weeks and that's it. And then it was a lot of date rape and heroin. But we've been talking about the summer of love ever since. Exactly, yeah. And it seems like- In some it, ways the summer of love continued until disco. It really, I mean, the influence of that all through the self-actualization stuff, like, you know, all the hippie stuff and the sons and daughters of hippie stuff and the grandchildren of hippie stuff. And then then all the way up to the revival in like 88, right? When the harmonic conversion stuff was happening and tie-dye got popular again. It's just weird that like that's all based on this thing, just to your point. That's just, that's one thing that was actually good and interesting and useful mostly for like a few weeks Right, that happened once, and that was in some ways only relevant in its own time. And now you're still seeing it. You go to the Panhandle, you go to that McDonald's by the Panhandle, or the end of the Panhandle right now. Oh, I know, I know. It's still utterly blighted. It's it's just it's just different teen runaways and drug addicts than in 1967. But it's it's that has never gone away. Hey, Ashbury is like it is by turns a tourist attraction and a an urban blight. It's incredible. It's incredible to imagine that San Francisco can be so expensive and mm-hmm. so wrung out, and yet right up there, mm-hmm. there there persists like a pl- an environment that that doesn't even exist in college uh, communities anymore. Like there's no mm-hmm. place like it. Where is there still a place where there are where there are acid casualties? The last time I was in San Francisco, right. I saw yeah. some acid casualties, and I was like, "Whoa, you oh, guys!" No, they're, they're, they're definitely <laughs> still here. But like, you know, if you ever come to San Francisco, great town, fly yeah, on in nice to place. our airport it's outside of town. It's, it's really good here. But but make be sure to go to Twitter headquarters. Nothing against Twitter, but it's it's real interesting to be standing under the Twitter sign and see so many people sleeping on the street next to human shit, right. because you've basically found the corner that represents San Francisco so nicely. <laughs> But how do we, how do, how do we... 50s, you're talking about the 50s. Well, I'm, uh, but I'm talking about like, how do, how do we ever get it into our heads that what we make only matters now? That, that anything that we do that isn't its own reward... Right, how do we get like a chef? Like a chef, it would be right. odd... For someone to go through the training, time expertise, you know, it's just, it's a tough, it's a tough job working your way up to being a quote unquote chef. Uh, who will go through all of that and then still be able to say, I'm really bummed that people aren't still talking about the plate of food that I served them yesterday. Like yeah. That food, that food is gone. My job was done before it was even eaten. Then it was eaten. And now I just go back to work and keep doing that over and over. 
Yeah, why why do they not celebrate that hmm. one meal I made that one time? That would be odd. Yeah, why, wow. So you think maybe that's and, a good that's a good state of mind for all the things? Well, you know, just sitting and thinking about like what it, what is its own reward? <laughs> yeah. Everything yeah. has to be it has to be its own reward because what else what are we doing? What you and I aren't like stacking up acorns for the winter. And if we are, that had better be its own reward. Because and stay Jesus in your Christ. lane. Andy, Andy, Andy Goldsworthy already got that covered. But but I no, I, I do know what <laughs> I don't you even mean. know what that is. <laughs> oh, he's a guy who does he's a guy who makes art. Um he basically just like goes out into the woods of the forest. You, you should check him out. He's got some yeah. stuff um in the park here that's just amazing. But yeah, he's a guy who makes art out of like what he finds at a location in nature. Oh and, yeah. And it's it's actually really quite striking. Um, I didn't mean to derail you, but I think, I think you're right. And I think like, this might be privileged. I don't know, but like, I try to do that in the sense of there's a lot of little, little shit that I do, not niggling shit, but definitely little shit where it's like, it's not really, it's not for me to like throw up a proscenium and say, Hey, everybody look at my thing. It is the kind of thing. Like, I mean, for me, that's writing show notes for some of my podcasts, which is a very, it takes, you know, five to 60 minutes or whatever. And it's for a very small audience, but that's a thing I do. And then it goes away. Most people don't even know it exists, but you know what I'm saying? You try and try and find some way to make your own art, even, even, or especially if it's not forever art. Right. 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 You feel like you, do you feel like you try to do that? Do you feel like you'd I, like to do that? I mean, what do I, what do I make? I, well, think about the, Colton. Think about Colton and like the, I don't know how much this is just the story, but think about like a uh, song a week. Like what an interesting idea. It's probably not the first, he's probably not the first person to ever do that. Some well, weeks are John, better than others. And sometimes he did covers, but like that kind of launched his deal was that he John put out a song a lot, every week. He, he's a lot different than, than I am um, at some like, and Flansburg is like this too. Like they, they don't really, um, they're not precious about their work. Mm -hmm. You know, Flans just, his, his attitude is always focused on the future. What's next? What he's writing. He's now, very driven. He seems very driven. But it, but it, but it really is a lack of preciousness. If he writes something and he doesn't like it, he throws it away and he doesn't, he doesn't mourn. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. Yeah. And, um, God, that's so great. He doesn't mourn the, the time and the work and the genius that went into it. It's just like, nope. And Colton is, is he's certainly less like that. Uh, he's more, he's more, but, but. But he's a craftsperson, right? He mm -hmm. he thinks of the things he's making as things he's making. Yeah, I mean, even his early songs are like beautiful pieces of furniture, the way they fit together. But for me, and I think part of this is because my my creative process remained um, magical to me. Mm, like I, yes, yeah, I never. I never got a set of tools that was in a little tool roll that I would unroll and look at and go, which all am I going to use today? Mm. Every time I sat down to make a new thing, it was like I was in a loincloth again and was just like, <laughs> ooga booga, how big rock go pow. You're you know, back like at the I, start of every level of Minecraft where first you have to make a bench. <laughs> <laughs> I, right? you, have you have to make to, a bench right yeah yeah and oh, and shit. also you know and part of that magic was like well maybe this time i'll completely reinvent music mm -hmm. or maybe this time i'll rewrite louis louis like i don't know what is going to 
happen anytime I sit down. And Jonathan has, you know, Jonathan has a, a degree in music and he knows what the pieces and parts are. And he sits down and says, I'm going to write a song. And what happens in his mind, I have no idea. You know, with mm-hmm. Flansburg, Flansburg has written so many songs and been doing it for so long. He sits down and I have no idea what his tool role looks like and which one he reaches for first and how much his process is like, I reach for that one first every time. What if I reach for this one? Or what if I, what if I take that tool I always use and I turn it around and use the handle? <laughs> and for me, it's just like, oh, I just pick up the thing and hit it. And then blah. And, and on the one hand, that's, that keeps it magical, but also it makes it, like it, it, it also makes it always scary. Mm-hmm. Right. It always feels like a demonic possession or it always feels like that the last song could have been the last one I ever wrote. Well, especially if you feel like you don't have, um, in any way. Well, so sometimes you get something that, um, <laughs> I sometimes tell my daughter about how I really need momentum today. Like I need to, we need to not be hung up on, we need to get out of the house, right? We need momentum. We need to understand that we can and will put on socks and we're not going to talk about it. Do, do you know what I mean though? What yeah. is it that kills momentum? Part of what kills momentum is a lack of momentum. <laughs> so like if you have to re, like if I had to get up every day, like imagine I was 21 or 27 and had to take care of a kid, right? And you'd be like, oh shit, it, it needs to eat. It needs to evacuate its bowels. It needs to be made clean. I don't know how to make those things happen, right? So when I'm running around in the morning, and it's gotten easier over time, you know, it's frustrating sometimes, but I know it's doable, and I, I can have a vision of how to get it done. Whereas, like, if it was the first time ever, and it wasn't even my kid, I would be so fucking confused. And sometimes when you're making art, like whatever that is, you feel more like the 21-year-old novice than the 50-year-old expert. Well, in particular, because whatever my standard is, when I sit down and try to conjure up all the little, you know, uh, try and conjure up Pan's Labyrinth, um, I also am thinking that the standard is to make a song that people will listen to for decades. Of course. I'm never sitting down. And I don't think, I don't think Flansburg necessarily has that. You know, I feel like, mm-hmm. uh, and the thing is, people will listen to their music for decades, but I and don't that's, think but that's that also is the a irony of like how you come up with something like fingertips. The fingertips suite is something I would never do in a million years because the amount of effort that went into sounding each one of those very few second long songs. Think about, you know what I'm talking about? Like, think oh, about sure. the effort that one went into, like, you know, something got a hold of my hand, I didn't understand. And you're like, it's such a beautiful slice of 60s girl pop, and it's just a few seconds long. You had to do all the instrumentation for that and all of that work. And then the irony on top of that is, I still have those songs, those little throwaway funny songs, not throwaway in a bad way, but like, you know, those little bagatelles, those little, uh, those are still in my fucking head. They ended up being eternal and canonical to me. And mm-hmm. I don't think they intended it that way. Kick you in the head and I'll kick you in the head. <laughs> Leave uh, me uh, alone. <laughs> if you think about, if you think about the, uh, like, uh, Chris Ballou, a longtime listener of our show, mm-hmm. right? He puts out a new Casper Baby Pants record every year. And he also, and I think Chris has, Chris has a a big philosophy that is attached to his creative process, but I think a lot of it, he reverse engineers. I think he's got a creative process. He has insight in retrospect. He put, well, 
because he because he uh, part of his creative process. I mean, he's very uh, he analyzes himself, but he also takes a lot of uh, mm-hmm. influence from like Eastern thinking, mm-hmm. and you know, and so he combines it all, and he's he can describe it to you as a as a thought out system, or I mean, he can tell you what he's doing, but but really, I I think that that's all. Um, that's all after the fact, right? Mm-hmm. He is doing what he's doing, okay. and then, and then he comes up with a, uh, with a system to describe it that makes it seem like the system was operating. Mm-hmm. And I mean, mm-hmm. I think he may use oblique strategies or whatever. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. that it's mm-hmm. it's it. He, and he has a toolkit too, right? That he unrolls and has access to these to these um, these handled instruments, but like the lack of preciousness in the sense that he makes this music and in, and the making it is its own reward in some way. And the performing it is, it's, it's gratifying to him. Right. But he's not going back to the fifth Casper baby pants record Mm -hmm. and, and like, and saying like, it's the 10th anniversary. I'm going to play it all the way through. Right. You know, like there's there's absolutely none of that self. He's not not, going to let himself become a nostalgia act or, Re, re, that's yeah. That is that is so so interesting. We and, talk and, about self yeah. self mythologizing, but really it's self nostalgizing. Oh shit, dog! Oh fucking a yes. And that self nostalgia. Oh, yeah. Oh and god, that, that hurts. You know something that I really do a lot. Oh, I try. And, so, I try so hard. I, I love that word. I try so hard not to do that. Like I, but it's. Well, you know, I'm like, so I think it must be said that in this economy, it's understandable. It's understandable why you want to get more products of any kind onto Spotify, right? Right. To, to get more plays, to make sure you bubble up in more different places. Like, that's a strategy that but boy, for the economic way to do that reasons is, makes sense. The, w- the way to do that is not to give a shit about any individual one. You know, if, it, if, you, if we really are living in a world where product is king – um, or content is king. Mm-hmm. Shit, I could make a new thing every day. And I mean, in a way, we are making product every day, uh, content. <laughs> but, but, um, I love to make content. You know, like I'm, we're really, because I think of myself as a content creator. Well, yeah, we're making the shit out of it. But like, so if I just, content. if I just went like, oh, you know, oh, cool. Yep, yep, yep. Here we go. Ready? Content, content, making content for everyone. And then I'll do, the, right I'll do the bridge. Right? I'll do the bridge. Put Every right day I get out and make content. Do, 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 do. Every day I'm creating my content just for you. It had a it had a little thing like yeah. it was a little post. It's got, post a, little, like a, like it's got a Spanish punk rock thing to it. A yeah, bit. a little yeah. Spanish punk. Well, that's you know that's my that's the my Billy Joe Armstrong. <laughs> Spanish music. punk rock. Stop bullshit. <laughs> <laughs>